2: W-A-B-E in Atlanta. This is City Lights. I'm Kim Drobes in for Lois Reitzes. Thank you for joining us for our Stranger Things theme show. The Netflix hit is wrapping up their fourth season this week. And as with other seasons, much of the show was filmed right here in Georgia. Today, we'll hear from multiple Atlanta-based film crew professionals and learn about their contributions that helped the magically nostalgic sci-fi show come to life. Plus, we'll listen back to Lois's interview with Finn Wolfhard, who portrays Mike on Stranger Things. Wolfhard is also a musician, and Lois caught up with him right after he played Terminal West with his then-band Calpurnia in May of 2018. But first... Atlanta-based actor Regina Ting Chen admits to being a fan of Stranger Things long before being cast in season four as Ms. Kelly, the guidance counselor at Hawkins High School. Chen, who was born in Hawaii and raised in Texas, began acting and modeling while in college, and she's since landed roles in Marvel's The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, HBO's Emmy-winning series Watchmen, and 2021's Spider-Man No Way Home. The actor joins me now via Zoom, Regina Ting Chen. Welcome to City Lights.
0: What a lovely intro. Thank you so much.
2: <laughs> I am looking forward to chatting with you a bit about your history and some other interesting things that I've recently <sighs> learned about you. Spoiler <laughs> alert, people. Regina is also a painter, but this is our okay. Stranger Things theme show. So of course, we're going to start there. As a Stranger Things fan, it must have been surreal to end up on the show. Can you tell us about finding out when you were going to audition for the role of Ms. Kelly? Of
0: course. Um, well, I had been such a fan of the show prior to even getting the audition. I'm a big sci-fi nerd. And when I got it, you know, the, the role, there wasn't too much, you know, they didn't give us a whole lot of context on what she's like and what her purpose is. So we really just had to run with who we are as a human being, who I am as Regina Ting Chen in the form of Miss Kelly. So that was really fun to just kind of present myself. And then when I found out I booked it, I was actually driving to a friend's house. It was raining. It was at night. And I forgot how to drive. It was kind of terrifying. Okay. I'm one of those people who, if it's, if I only have half a tank of gas left, this is my mom's fault. She's like, if there's only half a tank, you better make sure to fill up your car in case the world ends and you need to come home. Yeah. And so, you know, I was like, well, I'm almost at half a tank. I clearly don't know how to drive anymore because I'm so excited. So I'm just going to pull over and fill up. But yeah, it was, it really was, Like I was dreaming. Like I said, I driving should be a basic function at this point.
2: (laughs) I mean, but sometimes you just get excited and you got to stop for gas. (laughs) So good job for pulling over. Your mom would have been proud. So funny. Thank you. (laughs) You're Chinese American, right? Yes, correct. So talk about some diversity in this little town of Hawkins. I was doing some research, and I think the Asian American population in Indiana in '86 was maybe less than one percent. You said they didn't really give you much context for your audition. But have you given any thought to what might have brought Miss Kelly to Hawkins?
0: That's so funny. I love that you dove on research. Like that makes me so happy. I should have done that. (laughs) I I had thought about that before. Like, how does Regina end up somewhere? And honestly, it's just following my career and kind of hoping for the best and blindly going somewhere. So I feel like Miss Kelly (laughs) Her personality, she just kind of did as well. You know, she, I'm guessing the job brought her to Hawkins, and you know, her MO is helping the kids, so it definitely is
2: her MO. But did you know that your character's at the heart of some Stranger Things fan theories like some sinister stuff?
0: I recently found that out and. I know as much as you guys, okay? I'm ju- I'm telling you the truth. I don't know much. Of course, but that's kind of fun to find out, right? It so is. And as I was watching the season within 24 hours, <laughs> like everyone else. Right,
2: as we all right. did. Uh, right.
0: I was like... Man, I don't trust that counselor and I was watching myself like
2: <laughs> so for the unfamiliar some of the fan theories going around the villain the monster this year is a crazy crazy creation named Vecna mm-hmm. and Vecna prays off of kids with trauma and you are the guidance counselor <laughs> so a lot of the kids that are being preyed upon you have had one-on-one counseling with and I saw in a little mm-hmm. fan theory thread that someone zeroed in on the pendant that you were wearing and thinking that it might have some
0: significance. Yeah, I was literally floored as well. I was reading, you know, the articles, the fan theory, and I'm like, oh my God, they're right. Like I have no idea. <laughs> I, I really don't but, but maybe. maybe. Who say? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, everything's so secretive, even for the cast themselves. So it's it's kind of fun that I right. I get to also figure out everything along with the fans and just see how it unfolds in real time.
2: Well, as far as the things of yourself that you brought to the role, can I assume that was your real hair? (laughs)
0: Yes, yes, it was. That's some good
2: 80s hair right there. I was
0: really impressed with the hair department that they got it up that high and that big and got it to stay because fighting Atlanta humidity sometimes in the summer is just It made me feel like the character instantly, like effortlessly. It's so crazy.
2: They did a great job with you. And thank you for indulging me in all of my Stranger Things nerdiness. But I also, you know, learned a bit about you. And one of my favorite stories that I read, I would love for you to share. Can you talk about the very first acting gig that you booked? Oh, I believe there was some Stranger Danger involved.
0: Oh, Yes, of course. I had signed up on this. I don't even remember what site it is. It was like some kind of modeling site. There were a few people and photographers who were like, you should think about modeling and yada, yada. So I signed up for a site because that's how I roll. I'm like, where are there opportunities? What do I need to do? And this photographer reached out and was like, hey, I have a studio in my garage and I need to... (laughs) I need a spokesperson for a phone company in Alaska. And I think you'd be perfect for it. If you want to come, great, you can bring someone, but I'm a trustworthy guy and you can we can talk beforehand if you want and you can come on over and we'll shoot. And young Regina was like, sure, no problem. I trust everyone in this world.
2: <laughs> to to go to his garage. Yes.
0: And it's so funny because Vince and I are still friends like so many years now and I don't get to see him much but like we've kept in touch and when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston he had driven up to he's based in Austin he driven up to Houston with a group of friends and they were you know helping demolish houses that were destroyed by the hurricane and I was joining in with him and we got to do that so he's a great guy great heart. Like, I got so lucky I didn't die. That story could have gone south so fast. <laughs> but I am so lucky I did not die. In fact, he used me as a spokesmodel for this company for several years. Like, I'm really grateful for him for providing me with the first, my first experience with commercial shooting.
2: Well, it's a wonderful story, mostly. Yeah, oh, actually completely, because it has a happy ending. It yeah, But um, been bad. also your sense of humor about it. Oh yes. gosh. So earlier in your career, I read that you participated in CBS's diversity drama initiative program. Can you explain? what that was like
0: yeah uh it was back in 2016 and they were searching for diverse talent throughout the nation so i think they got like over 10,000 submissions so just audition tapes like any other role and then they went through sifted through and made their selects for callbacks so in certain areas like for me it was austin and there's like new mexico and i don't know ohio there were there were like eight or nine cities that weren't in the la new york market Um, that held callbacks for this talent. And then finally they made 12 selects for the finalists and we were all flown out to LA for the week and it it was like workshops and working with a a really great coach, Nancy Banks and being on a big set. I had never been on a big set before, like a real big budget set. And I was like, so the cameras aren't small. (laughs)
3: Like
0: I just... (laughs) And there are so many people here who's watching you and you know it's it was a whole experience that kind of opened my mind to what else is out there um which i met my mentor there and she eventually told me and convinced me that to move to atlanta to pursue more opportunities with big projects and i did end up going about a year later but that week was it was phenomenal. I learned so much. And I just feel so grateful, because I think they only had the program that year. And I'm just so grateful I was able Mm. to go to it.
2: Yeah, it sounds like it was a really big pivot point for you. And so you did end up in Atlanta. How do you feel about Atlanta? How are you adapting from Texas?
0: Um, It was hard at first, because I'm very family oriented, very close to my grandparents who raised me mostly. And I had never been more than three hours away. That was the most. And I would go visit every other weekend. So it was a hard adjustment. My boyfriend, now husband, had gone with me too. So at least I had someone with me. But still, it's just a new environment, you know, away from family. But I joined a kickboxing gym near my place because I had just started kickboxing when I left Houston. And that changed everything for me. I got to meet people who were like-minded. You know, there's kickboxing and then there's kickboxing at 6.30 a.m. And that's another breed of people, (laughs) of warriors. You know what's funny? I'm actually a coach now. Like I coached the six thirty a.m. class. No yeah, over the last four years, I've evolved and I love the sport and I love empowering people to be, to, not to be, it's they already have this fire in them. I just like to draw it out. Like I want them to know that they can do the impossible. You, you're the only one stopping yourself. So like every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm just like, come on Warriors. Everybody has a nickname. They don't get to use their real names in class. You come in as your warrior <laughs> name. One of them's named John Wick. Oh, I love I know, it. I know. I have, a, I have Atlas in there. Yeah. So that ultimately led me to continue building my life outside of acting because I feel like acting is all life experiences. So if I don't have that, I won't be able to give the truest performances. That's a very good Yeah. Point. Yeah. So it's been, it, it It. was a slow transition, but it was great. It's. It's been very gradual, but. So lovely.
2: And I mentioned at the top that you are also a painter. Oh, yes. Mostly it seems like you enjoy painting animals. Why animals?
0: I love animals. I don't know why I particularly love like tigers and lions. I wonder if it was because my grandma was kind of like them because she was just like, Rah! in my face. And I loved her voice. But um, I love the idea of movement in paintings that are still obviously they're not moving, but just being able to dive in and feel whatever the strokes are on the on the canvas. But I I loved animals. And then I started painting dogs because my friends were requesting it. And then I was like, wow, I can make this a side hustle. But it's really great. And, you know, people will send me their images of their pet and I would paint it. And it, it just was so rewarding to I don't know. I'm like, why are they picking me? And I said, oh, I can't think about that too much. I just got to do what I got to do and hope yeah. they're happy. And they always are. But And then you that. get more life experience
2: to put into your acting book.
0: Oh, yeah. And it's funny because I, I enjoy my red wine. But there was one time I was painting this amazing lion just for fun. and gosh it looked like it got punched in the eyes it kept having these dark circles <laughs> it's like me when i don't get enough sleep dark circles are on, on the under eyes and i was fixing it and fixing it and i could not do it i was just focused on one eye and then the other and then back to the other one and then i had a sip of red wine and it just was enough to take the edge off and i was
2: able to oh you are an artist aren't I know. you?
0: say <laughs> like I used a drawing to like fix it but I just needed just enough to take the edge off and I zoomed out and I just I just kind of flowed with it and it was so beautiful and you know someone ended up buying it so I had to ship this gorgeous huge painting out which I'm very excited about but also very sad because I loved it.
2: Well, as you mentioned, you classify yourself as a big sci fi nerd. I too am a big sci fi nerd. I was looking at your website and it looked like you were wearing an (laughs) R2D2 dress in one of your pictures. Yeah.
0: Star Wars. My dogs are named Chewie and Leia. I'm a huge uh, (laughs) Doctor Who fan as well.
2: Do you have any recommendations or a favorite newish sci-fi series that you're into? Uh,
0: well, um, The Magicians wrapped up pretty recently, but I thought that was an amazing series. And I don't know if you've seen The Expanse on Amazon. That's uh, in
2: my top five all time. Yes.
0: Oh, same. Like the first season was a little slow because it was building the story around everybody. But man, when I found out it ended, I was like, you mean I don't have a shot at auditioning for this? <laughs> that's the two I can think of. Oh, um, gosh, Severance. Severance is so good. I was going to
2: recommend that to you if you hadn't seen it yet. It's amazing. I'm just
0: like, wow, 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 wow,
2: wow. Well, I hope your career offers you many more opportunities to hop on some of your favorite sci-fi shows. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us about Stranger Things Season 4 and all things Regina Ting Chen. Of course. Thank Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Actor Regina Ting Chen, who portrays Miss Kelly, Hawkins High School's guidance counselor, on this season of Stranger Things. More information about Chen is on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. In a moment, we'll talk to four different Atlanta film crew professionals about their involvement in the production of Stranger Things season four amplifying atlanta this is w-a-b-e This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Kim Drobes, in for Lois Reitzes. Great to have you along. If you're just tuning in, today we're having a Stranger Things theme show. The wildly popular Netflix show is in its fourth season and has a history of being filmed right here in Georgia, although this season the crew got to travel quite a bit for filming. Let's peek behind the camera and hear from a few Atlanta film professionals that helped create the Stranger Things aesthetic. First up, Amy Darcy, Stranger Things assistant set decorator. Amy's department is charged with deciding the layout of everything you see on set that isn't an actor, costume, or a prop. My name is Amy Darcy. I live in South Fulton,
4: I've been in the film and television industry for about 23 years. I am the assistant set decorator of Stranger Things and have been for a few years. I started as a buyer on the show on season two, and I've been happy to be a part of it ever since then. Season four of Stranger Things was definitely an epic adventure. I felt like it was a marathon that lasted For a pretty long time, we were experiencing the pandemic throughout the season and that gave us some extra hurdles to traverse, but we all came together and figured out a way and I felt like experiencing the overseas sets and so and so forth that were involved in season four was uh, a joy. Heck yeah, I'm a fan of Stranger Things. I love the show ever since I've been a part of it. I've been uh, fortunate enough to be able to contribute to something that is uh, popular and successful, and that's also enjoyable. We're always involved in things that just fly by so quickly, and we never really uh, get to experience uh, success of it. So yeah, that part of it, I'm definitely happy about. I am also a child of the 80s, so creating things that are in the realm of when I was a teen or a tween is especially enjoyable.
2: That was Amy Darcy, assistant set decorator on Stranger Things. Eventually, Amy's team directs another team to pick up, clean, document, and prepare everything that has been acquired before sending it all to the set. That's where set dressers like Joseph Hernandez
3: come in. My name is Joseph Hernandez. I live in Stone Mountain, and I've worked in the film industry for 12 years as a set dresser. I've been a set dresser on all four seasons of Stranger Things. The set dressers generally are the ones who put everything into a room that's not being touched by an actor or worn by the actor. So all the furniture, all the things on the walls, the lights in the ceiling, all the rubbish on the floor, or in this case, everything 80s that you can see set dressers put there. A typical day will have us loading up our tools and any dressing, which is what we call the furniture and the stuff that you see on the screen, into a truck, taking it to a location or to the stages where they built the sets, and literally dressing the sets. We'll be putting stuff in, we'll be cleaning it up, getting it ready to shoot, taking it down when they're done, and trying to keep some of the chaos organized. One of the things that stands out amongst other shows that I've worked on is just the sheer amount of yard sales and liquidation sales from where someone's loved ones have passed on. We'll move in and we'll take all of their parents' or grandparents' stuff because it's all been nicely preserved since the time period, clean it up, dust it off, and then immediately shove it onto a set somewhere. In all honesty, just given the sheer amount of work that I do, I don't often get a chance to sit down and watch the shows I'm on. Or if I do, it's with my family, so I can be like, hey, I did that. But when we were working back on the first season of Stranger Things, I remember reading the scripts and doing all of it and thinking, man, this is such a niche show, like they made something specifically for me and about my childhood experiences. There's no way anyone will ever like this show. And here we are now with the number one watch show on Netflix, if not the world. I think my favorite part is just the sheer creativeness that's involved in making this stuff, most of it that doesn't exist or doesn't exist in the state that you see it, make sense so the camera can look at it and you'll think, oh, that's clearly a super science laboratory. Or, oh, that's my grandmother's basement. I think the hardest part of our job is unless it's some sort of period piece, like throw way back or even just as far back as the 80s, like Stranger Things, or something insane or alien or super sciency. If we do our jobs right, you won't know that we've done our job. You'll just accept that they've walked into the Oval Office or into a grocery store or into any average place that you've seen a hundred times. And it'll never occur to you that a bunch of set dressers came in and put all that stuff there specifically to make it look like that.
2: That was Joseph Hernandez, set dresser on Stranger Things. Both Amy and Joseph help make the sets of Stranger Things nostalgic and realistic to the 1980s setting. Even the science-y scenes that are filmed in labs are period-appropriate in design and setting. But what about the elements of the show that are far from realistic? The monsters and the worlds that they live in? To learn more, we spoke to two of the talented Atlanta makers that worked in the effects department of Stranger Things. Here's special effects artist
1: Chris Brown. My name is Chris Brown. I live in Kirkwood. I've been in the film industry for over 20 years now. Uh, what I specialize in is effects, puppets, props. If you need something that's cute, if you need something that's horrifying, something that sprays, vomits, bleeds, whatever, I'm, I'm the guy you go to. Originally, I was working at the Center for Puppetry Arts, and then I started to do commercials that needed puppets. Then I worked for a gentleman by the name of Toby Sales, which originally got my into the film industry for the very first time. I got contacted by Adult Swim, and then I joined the union and never looked back. I worked on season four of Stranger Things, and what I made was upside down. Miles and miles of the upside down. So much urethane, oh, sweet God. Typical day usually start about 6.30 in the morning, grab a cup of coffee, put on a lab coat respirator and end up looking like I was working at a slaughterhouse at the end of the day. We'd also have days we would just staple and attach miles and miles of the upside down to these amazing sets. When making the upside down, we worked in urethane. Now urethane will stick to anything, the urethane rubber. And my shoes at the end of Four months, weighed eight pounds a piece. And over six months, the floor became, I was standing on, almost eight inches thick. I mean, I've worked on so many productions, and a lot of them are just paychecks. You know, you want to do it the best job possible. But, you know, from a, it's great to be able to work on something you actually love and know that you're just part of that big machine. And when it airs, you get to go, I made that. I'm a big fan of Stranger Things. I love it, I've seen all of it. Working, building the upside down, sometimes I would totally forget what I was working on. It was it was a job until I stepped on those sets and the sets for season four are amazing and go, wow, this is cool. And trying to avoid as many spoilers as possible. <laughs> I think the thing I, I love the most is what I actually get paid to do for the level of madness. what I get to build, make, I mean, some days it's so common that I have to step back and look at it and go, wow, I actually get to do this for a job. And I also get to work with my friends. And you know, that really adds to the experience.
2: Brown just mentioned one of the perks of his job is getting to work with his friends. And one of his friends is Sam Carter. We've talked to Sam before on City Lights. He's the talented Atlanta maker behind YouTube's Make It Weird workshop. And last fall, we spoke to Sam about his contributions to the Little Five Points Monster Hunt. I recently got a chance to catch up with Sam and hear about his experience on Stranger Things Season 4. And he began by sharing when his love for movies started.
5: I've made movies since I was a kid. I was really, really fortunate in high school that I had... Uh, one of those like amazing teachers, a uh, guy named Joe Garrett, who was the, the mass media teacher at uh, Carrollton High School. And, um, you know, I came in with a group of buddies and we all just immediately like took to making these weird little comedy sketches and short films and stuff. And he saw that and was like, you know what, I'm forget assignments. You guys do do your thing. Get in here and like, let's just make a bunch of stuff. And so he kind of gave us free reign of all of this camera and editing equipment and showed us all like the the basics of, of how to do it. And then just, yeah, just let us go.
2: So how did you get hooked up with the stranger things people is season four, the first season that you worked on with them?
5: Uh, yes. Yes, it was. I, um, I was finishing up a show and wasn't really looking to jump on anything immediately. And then a friend of mine named Chris Brown, who, uh, is a monster maker and a puppeteer and just an absolute madman. Uh, reached out to me. And was like, "Hey, I just got brought on to do special effects fabrication on Stranger Things. If you'd like me to put your name in, I can. I can tell my boss about you." And so he did that. And I sent in my portfolio. And he asked me to come in to to meet him. Um, the guy's name is uh, is Rick Perry. And like, in a million years, I could never. Like imagine a cooler guy to work for, like an unbelievable wealth of, of information, like a, a legitimate mad scientist. It was a fantastic team that uh, that was making a ton of practical effects stuff for that for that show.
2: Well, let's talk about that. For people who are unfamiliar with the term practical effects, what do you mean when you say that?
5: Um, a lot of what you see on screen is digital effects, is computer effects. It's Uh, It's actors who are interacting with green screens, interacting with things that aren't actually in front of them that are then added on in post, Uh, whereas practical effects exist in real life. Puppets are practical effects. Uh, The kind of stuff that guys like Rick Baker and Stan Winston were doing in the 80s, and 90s, like old horror movies, old sci-fi stuff, Star Wars, the original three, not the not the later sequels. uh, Those are all practical effects. The use of of miniature models instead of you know instead of creating a, a CGI spacecraft zipping through uh, outer space, it's like a little miniature spaceship that's made up a bunch of of, uh, of a bunch of models and pieces and parts that were taken from other other things and turned in, into something that you believe as a real object, but is really just you know like a, an elaborate toy.
2: And so for Stranger Things season four, you had a lot to do with building what we often refer to as the upside down. But I think this season it's called the nether.
5: I was a small part of a very talented uh, team of people that were creating literal miles of tentacles for uh, for Stranger Things. And I, I mean that we we Rick, the, the you know our boss, at some point sat down and did the math. And we, I believe we ended up making over two miles of tentacles that we then uh, dressed and attached all throughout sets and locations uh, for, for the new season. Kind of the beauty of my job, my position on this season is that uh, we were separated from production. We weren't in the middle of all of it. We were in a completely different warehouse fabricating all of this stuff, um, and then dressing it in and, and, you know, creating that those worlds, but we were doing it without really any information about the plot, about the characters, about anything that was going to happen, which is kind of awesome for me at least, because I was able to come in completely fresh. Like I could, I could see cool things that I had something to do with on screen, but I didn't know what was going to happen next.
2: Were you aware that you were building parts of a monster?
5: I was aware that we were building parts of the monster's world, like the the attic set. We knew that that was that was where you know the monster that was like home base for the monster. But I didn't. I had never. I never saw the monster. I never saw what he looked like. I never saw concept art. I had no idea that he himself was going to be, you know, this creature made up of all these these tentacles so i was as surprised as as anybody else watching
2: oh that's fantastic so you guys end up creating miles and miles of tentacles to create this monster how do you do it
5: when it comes right down to it uh it's pool noodles
2: pool noodles
5: that's what it is it's uh it's pool noodles that have been manipulated we we added wire into them so they were posable. um we sprayed them down with adhesives, and then wrapped them in fabric to create all of those textures and all the wrinkly kind of skin. And, uh, and then they went over to, uh, to what we lovingly referred to as goo world, where they were slathered in uh, rubber urethane to uh, give them that kind of slimy, realistic, finished coat.
2: Oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. So what was a typical day like for you?
5: The shop itself was set up almost like an assembly line. So for months and months, you know, we we come in, uh, somebody would put on some music, or everybody would kind of retreat into their own their own podcast their own earbuds, their own music, uh, and then we have we'd have stations set up where one person is adding in wire, one poor person is pouring foam down into the center of the pool noodles to kind of lock everything into place. Uh, my station, I was, I was creating all of the wrinkles and texture and doing a lot of the fabric work on top of, uh, on top of the noodles. And then they were going over and, and being covered in goo after that. So, um, so yeah, we would, you know, we'd come in in the morning and kind of have our coffee and, and catch up a little bit and then jump into it. And we'd usually do a 10 or 11, 12 hour days sometimes. And uh, and then once, once production actually started, uh, started up and, and they started shooting, it sort of split us into two groups. Half of us stayed back and continued to fabricate more, while the other half uh, were going out and doing all the installation, you know, creating those environments with, with the, the tentacles.
2: Are you a fan of the show? Oh, well, yeah.
5: It's been a while since I've worked on a show that I was really proud of. Uh, the last thing that I worked on that I watched multiple times and loved uh, was Dr. Sleep, the, the sequel to The Shining. Yeah, recreating The Overlook Hotel. I mean, come on, forget about it. But this this show, I was, I mean, I was watching it and I was geeking out and completely fanboying out about the entire thing. Every, you know, every beat that happens along the way uh, in every episode, I'm like right there on the edge of my seat with everybody else excited to see what was going to happen next. I love this season. I think that uh, the Duffer brothers have kind of outdone themselves and I can't wait for the the last two episodes to come out and then to see what happens, uh, what happens from there.
2: Yeah, me too. So you mentioned the Duffer brothers. Is it unusual for a show that is this successful to lean this far into practical effects?
5: I think that if you if you look at what Stranger Things is and how much of it is is an homage and a love letter to the 80s, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking. I, I don't I don't know the Duffers. I've never met them. I, I can't speak to their intention. But like to me, it makes a lot of sense for them to want the effects to be practical, because in the time period that the thing is set, it would have all been practical. And, you know, it, it creates it's a completely different experience to walk on a set and it's all there. It's all real. It's in front of you. You can touch it. You can you're you're there in the world as opposed to having a tiny little sliver of a real set and then a massive green screen that's supposed to be you know the rest of that that world. Uh, and, not, and, you know, not to take away from uh, digital effects or from uh, from green screens or anything like that, because I think that they're all just tools in the same toolbox. But I i mean, personally, I love practical effects. And I think that their use in this season added a lot to the overall experience of the season.
2: Sam, thinking about your job in general, maybe not as specific to Stranger Things, what do you think the hardest part of your job is?
5: You know, the people that work in the film industry, you would be hard pressed to find harder working, more dedicated people. Generally, our hours, our days are 12 hours long. That's like, that's the baseline. Uh, if you're on set, your days are typically longer than that. 14, 16. I, I worked, I once worked like a 23 hour day.
2: Oh my gosh.
5: And that's not even the worst stories that I've heard that, you know, that, and beyond just the, the long days, you might work three, four, five weeks in a row without taking a day off. Um, and so the time, the time commitment is, it's it's grueling. But I mean, ultimately, if if you love what you're doing if you're if you're making something that you're you're proud of, uh, it can't be beat because, I mean, there's there is something that is that is always going to be cool about. Oh, I work in the movie industry. What do you do? Oh, I'm, I'm in accounts receivable at blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like whatever company, what do you do? I'm, I make stuff for the movies. Oh, is that your favorite movie? Cool. I made that thing that you saw in your favorite movie. Like, I mean, there's something amazing about that, but yeah, it it does get, I mean, you have to pace yourself. You have to take time between shows. You have to like force yourself to, you know, not become a, just so engulfed in the movie industry that you forget the rest of your life. It's, I've seen people who have have done that and it's, (laughs) movies are cool, but they don't take the place of, of your family and your friends and your hobbies and your pets and whatever else is important to you, they're never going to, to take the place of that. So you have to have a balance
2: special effects creator Sam Carter thanks to all of the Atlanta film crew workers who offered their voices to this story and more information about Amy Joseph Chris and Sam is on our website wabe.org/ citylights coming up listen back to Lois's conversation with Finn Wolfhard the actor who portrays Mike on stranger things is also a musician. And back in 2018, he stopped by the WABE studios while on tour with his band. Amplifying Atlanta, this is 90.1 WABE. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Kim Drobes, in for Lois Reitzes. Thank you for being here. If you are just joining us, we've been having a strange show on City Lights, a Stranger Things theme show to be specific, and to wrap up our Hawkins High School adventure, let's revisit Lois's conversation with actor Finn Wolfhard. In May of 2018, Wolfhard was in Atlanta for a show at Terminal West with his indie rock band at the time, Calpurnia. The musician and actor visited the WAB studios with drummer Malcolm Craig, and Wolfhard began by expressing his enthusiasm for the previous evening's show at Terminal West.
6: Oh, it was pretty incredible. I uh, definitely, I don't know, do you think it's the best one so far, Malcolm? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay,
7: now, I hear that some other members from Stranger Things showed up. Yep, they were there. And I hear that um, the noise level could rival that of what uh, the Beatles used. They have from "Screaming Girls." Can you even hear it yourselves? For the
6: first two songs, not a lot. Um, yeah, it's a, it a struggle. Yeah, it's a struggle. But no, I think like the 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 more we did, I mean, the more we performed, I guess, the more people got used to it and kind of. Um, Got over it. Yeah, got over okay. it, I guess. But it was, yeah, it was pretty great. I hear, Finn,
7: from someone who attended the concert that you threw water on the crowd. I did threw and water on the crowd. pulled a little Pete Townsend movie. <laughs> Tell us <laughs> oh a my little God. more about that. Well, yes, we have well, our spots. Well,
6: the, the thing was is that I... Um, People, I I've been to a lot of concerts. and People kind of like it because they're all so hot in that crowd. And I, <laughs> especially I,
7: when they're screaming. I, yeah.
6: Well, I also didn't want to be like the dude to be like I'm a rock star. But this will actually probably cool them off. <laughs> and also, everyone had their phones out, and I was like, well, if it, I mean both would be a cool story. Like you know, if I did if I didn't ruin their phones, but if I did, they'd have a pretty good story. Like oh, I got my ca- like my phone ruined from a Capparini show because Finn threw. The water on my phone. Yes, Um. and and uh,
7: you know, I'm so glad that you have the historical perspective of um, pre cell phones in stranger things, Mm -hmm. and you know, with the uh, the the landline that hangs on the wall. That that you know what those are. Oh yeah. You both are quite familiar with being in front of a camera, Malcolm you appeared on the a and e show bates motel and oh yeah finn well stranger things do you do you either have bad you know do nightmares ever enter the subconscious with these things you're in well um
6: i mean like real nightmares like actual dreams yes (laughs) i mean I mean, yeah, we we're at, that's so funny that you say that. We were just talking about dreams that we were having right before this. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff goes through our head because, like, both of us do so much. Like, you know, Malcolm does acting. He also does music, and he dabbles with, you know, a bunch of stuff, and so do I. So a lot of stuff enters and comes at the other end on the subconscious level, and so... Because,
7: um, I mean, you guys have some pretty intense... Moments in the scripts
6: you've read. Oh, for sure, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's not like real. No, yeah, <laughs> no. it's it's it, it... isn't. Wait, <laughs> it's what? not real. What? Well, well, we we kind of. I feel like you get used to it after a while because, you know, we have so many passions yes. to to do and and kind of like. One of the best things is is through music to kind of portray all that. Um, Oh, um,
7: that's so heartening to hear. Well, when you get up on stage with the band, given that you both have this acting experience, mm -hmm. is that
6: just pure you, or is it a stage persona? Oh, Mm -hmm. good. Well, we were actually talking about that and I think the problem was before this show is that I was being too much like myself. Like, and, cause I feel like, I feel like with, with people, people, um, with performing in general, you have to have some distance between your real personality and something sure. or else it's not going to be, um, as, uh, entertaining. I feel like, cause, you know, we're, we're not, we're not just musicians, we're, we're entertaining people, we're entertainers, you know, and so, uh, we just have to, we want to have as much fun as possible up there. And part of that is kind of, having the stage thing. So part of it is, you know, throwing the water on people. That's yeah. kind of one of the things like to get people amped up and to get people entertained.
7: The band started because you two were in
6: a pup video together.
7: Please tell us about that.
6: Oh um, man. Well, Malcolm and I met um twenty fourteen, right? Yeah. Something like that. Malcolm and I met um in 2014 and we just randomly met for this music video mm. um, even was, though
7: you were both um, living in the same right city. yeah we we're, were still yeah.
6: living in the same city and everything and um, Malcolm he played drums and I played bass at the time and we just became really good friends uh, through through acting um, but then we started playing a lot of music together and just kind of getting together on weekends and after school um and it kind of just spiraled from there we met um our guitarist ayla um at this like rock camp you can learn how to it's kind of like a day camp you learn how to mix music and write songs with with peers and have fun together um and that's where we met ayla and so the 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 three of us kind of started playing together and
7: so what was it like shooting pop, the pop video.
6: Oh my god. That was so much fun. It was so fun. It Because well, also it was the whole time we were kind of it was kind of leading up to the end um, where we, we were playing the instruments and Malcolm and I just wanted to play the whole time. We're like, can't we just play the <laughs> actual instruments? Do we have to act the whole time? Um, yeah, that was a really, really amazing experience. And also, because we, we did a sequel to that video, um, this one called Sleep in the Heat. Oh. And then... Um, we got together with the same band members that we hadn't seen in, like, two years, or two or three years, and so it was kind of an awesome, like, family reunion-type thing. Who are some of Calpurnia's biggest influences? Oh, man. Um, I think, like, definitely, like, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is probably, like, you know, Twin Peaks is definitely, like, a, a big, huge influence on us, and, um, you know, we recorded... Our EP with with Katie and who produced it and um and they they were just a huge help with us and also you know we, we listened to so much so much music during this and also like it all kind of started with the Beatles and obviously like with every, you know with everyone no one could not like the Beatles
7: we pulled a clip from your song Louie and we're going to play it for you now <laughs> on the ears you know it has a little bit of the fab four kind of vibe but it has some pretty heavy lyrics
6: would you explain well um i I, every time i listen to that i get such a flashback because um all the background vocals is all katie and and colin from twin peaks it's all them doing a high kind of high voice um it's a very uh background 70s john lennon vibe but um uh, yeah, I mean, the song's about kind of this character who um, is in love with this person and the person kind of uh, tells them that they're going to come back for them. Like, in my mind, it was like, oh, I'm going to go on these work trips, and then they never come back from the work trips, and the person kind of is left to their own devices, mm-hmm. um, like, forever. Um, and that was kind of the uh, the the whole intention going into the, to the EP was that we, we had this character called Scout, and, uh, it's kind of sitting in this distant future where everything is kind of a literal state, and so, like, when I say left to his own devices, I mean literally left to his own devices, like, forever and ever, and, at, like, for eternity, um, yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's not, like, it's definitely not, like, that was kind of the, the thing going into it, um, definitely, like, people can have your own, um, I don't know ideas about it, but that was kind of the the thing going into it. Malcolm and I kind of had that idea of this weird Matrix type um, <laughs> world. Um.
7: Tell us about how you chose the name for the band.
6: Oh well, we were we were talking about it and we just rattled off a bunch of them. We didn't we we don't remember them because people always ask us, "Oh, what are they?" Because there was only really one, was, which was like Calpurnia, but... Um, is Last Wife of
7: Julius Caesar? Yeah, well,
6: it's it's that is one of the, the things. And the other meaning behind it was that it was Calpurnia from To Kill a Mockingbird. Because it's like not only one of my favorite stories of all time, I'm actually reading the book for the first time, but it's one of my favorite movies of all time, and I've seen the movie like hundreds upon hundreds of times. And so I always thought Calpurnia was a super underrated character. Oh, Yeah. Um,
7: well, of course. She's the mother. She, or, she is the mother. She's the mother.
6: She's like the pe- person that puts food on the table. She's the person that takes care of the whole family and no one is like but no one bats an eye. Um and, and maybe so Scout a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Well, Scout, yeah, Scout sees her as a as a mother figure. Um and and Atticus to it a, to a, you know, a certain degree. But um yeah, that was kind of the the thought going into it. Um Oh, I love
7: knowing that.
6: Yeah. And so we um That's kind of how we also named the EP, with kind of keeping that To Kill Mockingbird type, you know, uh, character.
7: Finn, if I didn't know better, I'd think "Mm, living in the South six months of the year is rubbing off on you. Yeah, definitely southern literature and all. Let's hear a little bit of City Boy. Okay, that video is so cool. Um, The neon that is uh, literally a thread running through it is just beautiful. Thank you. And the music is so much fun. And um, I have to tell you that having been born and raised in Chicago, I noticed a Chicago flag
6: Mm. on the wall. There is a huge Chicago flag. Well, so we recorded, we recorded that EP in Chicago with uh, a band called Twin Peaks who are, you know, one of our heroes and they're kind of our mentor type figures. Can you talk about your process for songwriting? Sure. That, that was always a a thought um, that I always used to think about when I was younger, like, oh, what would be like the process? behind if I ever made music in the future and then it kind of just came naturally like um I think how it usually goes is that one of us would have an idea for a riff usually if it's my riff or whatever I'll come up with a with a with the music first and then I'll come up with some like kind of test lyrics that I'll send to the band and I'll give them to them and then they'll kind of workshop it we'll all kind of workshop it together and then kind of they'll they'll Create. Um, we'll we'll all kind of collab on it and make it better, make the better song. Um, and so it's so different from when we start to like when it's recorded because we're working on it literally until we record it.
2: Stranger Things actor and musician Finn Wolfhard. He was joined by actor and drummer Malcolm Craig. That interview was recorded at the WAB Studios in 2018. And since the interview, Calpurnia has broken up but you can still listen to their music on Spotify. And of course, you can still catch Wolfhard portraying Mike on Stranger Things. Thanks for joining us today for our Stranger Things theme show. Season four, part two, season finale will premiere this week on Friday, July 1st. You've been listening to City Lights, our daily exploration of arts and culture. Tomorrow at 11 a.m., Carrie Mae Weems, The Usual Suspects. It's currently on view at the Georgia Museum of Art, and curator Shauna Harris will share details on the exhibition. City Lights host and executive producer is Lois Reitzes. Summer Evans is our producer, and our engineer is Shelley Canavy. I'm senior producer Kim Droves, and we want you to connect with City Lights on social media. We're at WABE City Lights on Facebook and Instagram, and you can follow Lois on Twitter at L-O-I-S-R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. Thank you for listening to WABE Atlanta.